Hello and welcome to the Spooky Bitch Gang podcast. What's this character you're doing? It's like a spooky one. Oh. Like, you know, like the Crypt Keeper? Yeah. How he would just like kind of be a bit spooky and do like a lot of spooky puns. Oh, do you have any spooky puns? No, I have nothing. But I have that like, like I have a little voice, like a hello and welcome. Oh, yeah, true. Is okay. that good? Are you scared? That's a good character. It's better than your netball mum character that you normally do. I don't know if it's better than her, but... Anyway, uh, what's up? Um, doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing pretty good. Um, just hanging out. It's it's a rainy, yeah, kind of dark and gloomy night. Yeah, you might hear the rain in the background. It sounds really nice. Yeah, it's very relaxing. Um, and it's I feel like it's putting us in a good mood for firstly just spooky like just horror movies, yeah. but also our specific theme. Mm, it's a bit of a watery theme. Yeah. So it's actually kind of fitting. I think yeah. it's like the heavens telling us that we picked the correct theme for the correct time. Mm-hmm. I love when the heavens do that, hey? Yeah. Oh, I love thanks, when they heavens. interact with our podcast theme choices. Yeah, all the time. Um, anyway, what have you seen lately? Um, well, we watched a movie together mm-hmm. at your house. We ate yeah. pizza <laughs> and it was called La Chorona. Well, mm. it's like one of like 50 movies called that. Yeah, this is not the Conjuring Universe bullshit with Nev Campbell. Not Nev Campbell. What's her name? Linda Cardellini. Are they the same yeah. lady? Uh, no. Okay. They're not. All right. They're both great ladies. Yeah. But they're not in this movie. This is a Guatemalan movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, we watched it as part of like the Melbourne, Melbourne Film, Film Festival. Festival. Yeah. And film festivals are in your house now, which is like it's kind so of fucking great. Good because- they still have lots of ads, but. Yeah. But there's no old people sitting in front of you, like, giving you dirty looks for eating popcorn and then, like, mm. talking about, like, bullshit that they don't even understand at the end as you walk out. <laughs> that just, like, puts me in such a shit mood every time I, like, watch a movie at a film yeah, festival. having to be around the plebs. Yeah, just having to be around, like, old white people who are, like, dissecting stuff. And it's like, can you get fucked? <laughs> anyway. Um, Let's dissect this movie. Yeah. So, La Chorona. <laughs> is, um, yeah, this Guatemalan movie about, like, this genocide. It's kind of about the genocide against, like, this these indigenous people and um, this, like, war criminal. It's all centred around this war criminal and his family. Mm-hmm. But then it's kind of told through the myth of La Chorona. Mm-hmm. And it's done in this really interesting way. It's, like, it's beautiful. So beautiful. It's haunting. I feel like it really hits you with, like, the gravity of how horrible... This genocide was. Yeah, but it's in this cumulative way where yes. by the end of the movie you feel like you've really felt so much. Totally. It's kind of like this rain. It's like drip by drip. At the mm. end you never realise and the end you're like you're the you're fucking drowning. Yeah. Like it's so gorgeous. There are some really beautiful scenes. And there's also just like just like the social commentary is really good. And yep. all the present day scenes of like protesters at this like war criminal's house and him being like having to be escorted into his house after like the trial and stuff like it's just there are so many scenes that are just incredible yeah it's like it's got these beautiful long takes with these really slow zooms and it feels just like this like simmering rage through this whole movie it's not like there are no real scares in this movie no set pieces designed to scare you but by the end you do feel really afraid Totally. Mm. Yeah, it's just gorgeous. If you can find a way to watch it, do it. Um, yeah. It's going to be a hard one to find, I think. Maybe, yeah. But it might turn festivals. up at some other festivals or something. Yeah. Who knows? 
seek it out. Mm, it's, highly recommend it's it. It's really good. And then we also watched another movie that, like, we watched it separate because you have yeah. to kind of watch this movie on a laptop, which is perfect because I don't own a TV. Oh, Anyone... I watched it on a TV. Oh, really? Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> How was it on a TV? Oh, by the way, we're talking about Host. Yeah, it's a movie called Host. It's not the uh, Bong Joon-ho no. movie about the sea monster. Is it, like, it's on Shudder, right? It's a Shudder original. Love that. Um, it's less than an hour long. Love that. Oh, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> and... um. So it's it takes place, it's kind of like unfriended. It takes place on Zoom with some friends doing it's not quite a seance, is it? It's more just like a some kind of spiritual summoning. I guess you'd call it a seance. I think it's a seance. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Maybe yeah. they do use the word seance. But yeah, as you can <laughs> expect, shit hits the fan. I really want to do a Zoom seance now, but also I'm scared. Fun. Yeah, I'm scared of seances like, in general. This movie was actually scary. Yeah, like there was a murder suicide in my house. Imagine if we did a seance in my house. I, I would be on Zoom and I would be far away from your house. Oh, yeah, true. I'd probably die. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'm, I think his internet just cut out. I'm not going to go. Yeah, you never see me again. Way. But it's so interesting because this movie's set like during the pandemic. Yeah. So there's some coronavirus references yeah. and it remains, to seen how, it remains to be seen how those are going to age. It might be but, interesting because it's such a small movie. It's yeah. so contained. It's so like cheaply made like I just feel like it will be interesting as a kind of little time capsule. Yeah. Because also it's all through Zoom. Like even just the fact that it's in Zoom and it ends by being like like the Zoom meeting has now ended or whatever yeah. is like, yes, this just is going to remind us of this weird fucking time that we had. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love Host. I actually think it's a I really love it great too. movie. It's so snappy. It's so tight. Yeah. It's like they really did like the perfect stuff with the time and whatever that they had, like the money and the time. Yeah, um, and really well acted too. Really well acted and the characters felt real mm. and like the tension between the characters was like, believable. Yeah. Just all of it. Yeah. Well okay. done, guys, whoever the fuck made hosts. Yeah, it makes me feel like we could just make a movie and it would be this good. Yeah. Like, oh, if we made a movie, it would be incredible. Oh, yeah, true. It would be even better. <laughs> but we're not going to make it right now. No, in, in, in a bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, when we feel like it. What else have you said? <laughs> um... Like, I've watched a lot of stuff that's been kind of disappointing. I've been watching a lot of stuff on Shudder. Shoutouts yeah. to Shudder. Like, it's so fucking good. It's All the documentaries available on there. in Australia. If you're like, okay, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like a bit of a horror weirdo yeah. like us. You would fucking go crazy for the shit on Shudder. Mm. Like, all I want to do is sit down all day and listen to Eli Roth talking about different horror movies that he's liked. Like, that's mm. literally all I want to hear. Yeah. I just want to hear someone talking about how much Candyman meant to them. <laughs> and you can do that on Shut Up for hours. This is not sponsored by Shut Up. It's really not, but I fucking <laughs> wish it was. Like, let's not, let's not speak that into existence because, like, who knows? You never know what the future holds for us and Shut Up and our relationship with them. Yeah. Um, but for now, we're just big fans. <laughs> um, but in terms of, like, actual horror... I watched this movie that I thought was going to be better than it was, um, and you watched it too. I think you watched it. Did I? Um, the Charlie Kaufman movie. Oh, no. You, no, you didn't, didn't watch, watch Baghead? Okay, so Baghead is um, – who are those cute brothers? The that Duplass make the, brothers. The Dupla it's the Duplass brothers movies. I was like, obviously, I'm going to like it, and it's about like people writing a horror movie, like friends going away for a weekend to like a cabin and writing a horror movie there, and then like the character from the horror movie starts to like kill them. So I was like, obviously, I'm going to like that movie. And it's, like, really disappointing, like, mumblecore bullshit mm, where nothing yeah. happens and it's, like, they think they're being slick and fucking Greta Gerwig's being really annoying. It just really sucks. <laughs> I would not recommend it. But 
I would recommend going to a cabin with your friends and writing a fucking horror movie. Yeah, we're going to do that soon. Yeah. So watch this space. Maybe we should do an episode from there or like... Oh, we should do so something. Dope. We should take advantage of it. Yeah, we should. Anyway, if you guys have any ideas that are not copyrighted for like what you want to like see us write a movie about <laughs> that you want to give to us, like if you think here's the perfect idea that you guys could execute, just send them in in some form. Yeah, you can even do it on Twitter because we're on Twitter now. Oh, we have we a fucking have, like, Twitter. No followers, so. What is it? At Spooky Bitch Cake? It's at Spooky Bitch Cake. All right. We'll start doing fun stuff on there. Yeah. I don't understand so, Twitter, but. Neither. The fuck is Twitter? Um, I think you just like, I don't know. I think you just say things like that you're going to like declare war on different countries and stuff. And then you say like that coronavirus isn't real. And trans people can't serve in the military. Yeah. 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 And then every now and then like you can't use it for a bit, but then they let you again. And they fact check you. Yeah. Then yeah. they're like, <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll figure it out anyway. Yeah. Um, and we'll start posting some heinous stuff on there. So just like follow us if that's what you do there on Twitter. Yeah. You're on if Twitter. you follow people, that's how it works. <laughs> um, have you watched anything else that you want to talk about? Well, I just want to mention I watched this Catherine Bigelow movie from 1987 called Near Dark. Love that. And this is the first, like, pre-Hurt Locker Catherine Bigelow movie I've seen. And I'll tell you what, I think she's really underrated. Wow, I have to watch it. It's, like, it's not... This is one of those movies, when we did the queer, queer horror episode, we talked about reclaiming movies as queer. And I want to do that, that, with, that with this movie because, like... It's not openly queer, but wow. it's got this beautiful doomed eroticism and these combative relationships between a small group of outcasts. And it, it was came out at the height of the AIDS crisis. Mm. So obviously I'm going to read it like that. But anyway, it's a really beautiful, melancholy, moody movie. It's a vampire movie for all intents and purposes, but it's, it's really beautiful and sensitive and I loved it. Wow. Okay. Now I definitely have to watch that because mm-hmm. we've talked before about how little queer horror there is. Yeah. And- yeah, I want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should also mention, speaking about queer horror, that you had a little guest spot on the Creepy Crap podcast. Yes. Which is also a horror podcast, but they're not our rivals because they do, like, it's a very different podcast. Yeah. And it's fine. Like, <laughs> I'm not jealous of all his listeners and, like, oh my God, he has so his many Instagram, listeners. like, people fucking reacting and commenting and shit. Like, I don't even care about that stuff. I'm really happy for him. <laughs> um, but anyway, he did, like, I think it was, like, his 50th episode. Yes, it was the 50th episode. It was a special Rocky Horror episode. So Daniel from Creepy Crap Podcast invited a bunch of uh, queer podcasters to talk about what that movie means to them and mm-hmm. why they love horror. And it was yeah, it was a really cool episode. Yeah, you should go listen to Scott's little segment and then just listen to the podcast and then um, come back to us and yeah, always listen to everybody. To There's room for all of us, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to ta- like tear anybody down. That's right. It's all the human genre, <laughs> as I said last week. <laughs> um, all right. All right, cool. Well, we'll move on to the theme. Now, DJ, spin that shit. <laughs> So today's episode, listeners, is actually going to take the form of a guided meditation. So I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think back to being a child. And I want you to think about when you were a child, when you were that little boy or girl or however you identify, when you were a little person, what was the scariest thing in the world? And I know that the answer is quicksand, but this is not the quicksand episode. 
Um, the scariest thing in the world as a child is sharks and crocodiles and anything that lives in the water that can fucking kill you and eat you. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you agree? The scariest thing in the world is my mum, and then second, sharks and crocodiles for sure. Where is quicksand on the list? Uh, it depends. Like if I'm on like um some kind of safari with like my professor dad or some shit, then it's quite high. Yeah, right. It's oh, it's a situational it's fear. Yeah. All right, well, today we're talking about sharks and crocodiles, as you probably figured out from the title of the episode. Um, <laughs> there are so many horror movies with sharks and crocodiles, and they're all, like, B-movies, right? Yeah. I don't... I mean, there's obviously Jaws, Jaws. but, like, I think that's a fucking B-movie. But <laughs> No, B-movie is a B-movie. Yeah, that's true. No, <laughs> B-movies look really lit. <laughs> but I don't think there's been, like, a great... Like, really good, serious shark or crocodile horror movie. Yeah, like, even re-watching Jaws, and I watched Jaws 2 for the first time, and honestly, oh, do man. not fucking bother with yeah. Jaws 2, because it's literally just Jaws, but with more characters in it. Right. Jaws, I think, is like, that movie doesn't say anything, right? Like No, all it says the- is, like, Sharks are scary. We should kill them. Yes, exactly. And I think so many of these shark movies do a, such a disservice for sharks. You know what? Sometimes, yeah. I think <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the more recent ones kind of do the opposite. I was talking about this the other day. I reckon that sometimes these shark movies really kind of humanize sharks because they get a character. They get really? kind of emotive. They they think they have like people that they kind of lock onto. And they kind of become like, you know, a guy. Like, you kind of know who the shark is by the end of the movie. It's not just this, like, scary animal blob. You kind of get to know them. I don't think Jaws does that. Jaws is literally no. just like an evil killer shark. I know. that He's just but like... sometimes they're cute. It's just wanton destruction that these sharks do in these yeah. movies. So, do you have an example of one where the shark is a, is a character? Hmm. I feel like pretty much all of these, like the more recent ones, the shark is a character. So, yes, the shark is maybe like an antagonistic force in the story, but it's kind of the same way that like a killer would be. Yeah, okay. I didn't think of it that way because everything I've read about these two types of movies, it refers to them as natural horror. And so I was in the mindset of seeing... Because there's movies like uh, Backcountry and Grizzly and things like that where you go into the animal's habitat and they it's kind of like they're justified in attacking you because you're on their turf. Whereas I feel like... it's senseless. It's just like they're just dumb animals. What can they do? Yeah. And I feel like movies like starting with Jaws, they really represent uh, sharks as these... They just want to kill you for the sake of killing you. And it doesn't matter that you're in their space because you have the right as a human to go wherever you want, right? Mm, it's pretty racist. I think Jaws has that for sure. Like, yeah, Jaws really is just kind of like, and they make the shark so scary and big and like, yeah, just like such a killer monster kind of thing mm. that like you can't really reach any other conclusion but like true wipe it out. There's no like opposing thing in your mind where you're like kind of sympathetic towards the shark. But like you do get that in a lot of these other movies, even if they don't really intend it. Yeah. Like the the, the conflict in Jaws is so so who cares? It's like yeah. Brody wants the beach closed and the man wants the beach open. Like Yeah. It's kind of fuck. it kind of reminds me of like now, like the pandemic and mm. like where you just feel like there are these government failures because 
people won't just close things down and like take precautions until it's too late. Mm. But that's such a boring point to make in a shark movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. who the fuck cares? I guess I guess the thing is, like, with a lot of these shark and crocodile movies, it taps into such a primal fear. Yeah. Like, it's of not as sophisticated. Yeah, yeah, it's just literally, like, yeah, this animal could eat you and, like, obviously everyone's scared of it because, like, we're wired to be scared of it. Yeah. So there's something about, like, the simplicity of that yeah. that is kind of nice and, like, just the brutality of that. But when they don't do anything else with it, and then it's like many, many years later that we're looking back at Jaws. It's like, mm. yeah, this is kind of boring, except for the sick score. The score is so good. The score is the whole movie. Like, let's be real. Yeah. The score was in Jaws 2 as well. So, like, oh, nice. points for Jaws 2. Um, so, I'm thinking about now The Shallows from 2016, starring Blake Lively. She's so likable, don't you think? Especially in this movie. Like, yeah. normally I think she's, like, a pretty shit actress. But in this movie... <laughs> She was really going for it. Yeah. Like, I think she did great. And, and it's just all her the whole time. With a little seagull. The seagull's so cute. The seagull Steven was the seagull. best. So fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but but what was the seagull there for? Like, that's what I kind of, I like. I guess to show her how much she cared. Because she fixed the seagull's little wing, remember? So you think for her it was like a save the cat kind of thing. Like, yeah. oh, she's nice to the seagull, so, like, I want her to live. Yeah, that's another thing with these movies that we can come back to later is there's always – so you've got the killer animal and then you always have, like, a nice animal. Oh. Like, there's always a dog or that's something. True. But anyway, we'll come back to that. With this movie, uh, I disagree with what you were saying before about the shark having a character because I was like – this shark, spoilies for the shallows, it's got a belly full of three fully grown men and there's a dead whale for it to just snack on whenever it gets yeah. a bit and it's got exactly, the munchies. Yeah. But it really wants to fucking kill this girl. Exactly, because it has a character. It wants her specifically and it's really trying to outwit her. And I feel like it gets to a point where this is this movie's a two-hander. It's her and the shark. Yeah. Like it could be like any other kind of face-off, like tense face-off between two people mm -hmm. because he, like the, the shark is a character. The shark's like waiting, thinking about stuff. We also see that the shark has like some hook or whatever in his mouth. Like he's got a bit of a backstory. We feel a bit sorry for the shark too. Yeah, so like the shark hates people because they, yeah. yeah. And even the way that she eventually like conquers the shark is kind of like silly and whimsical and cartoonish. She literally has to descend to the depths of the ocean and trick the shark into impaling itself. It's such a yeah, weird death. It's very like Little Mermaid-esque. Yeah. Um, And so I think all of that just lends this levity to the shark. Like it's not this evil, scary, like real threat anymore. It's kind of like for some reason this particular shark is really smart and kind of a dick. Yeah. And we're just seeing the two of them like battle it out. Yeah, I think in this case the shark is, like, a pretty obvious metaphor for, like, her grief for yes. her, her dead mother. And, and, like, her internalised, like, guilt or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, she just ha she had to, like, overcome something in order to, like, get back to medical school or whatever. Get back to the shore. Yeah. Literally and figuratively, yeah. Yeah, so she's just, like, put all of that onto the shark. And to be honest, the shark probably didn't care. No, the shark just wanted to chow down. Maybe the shark, the shark wasn't even trying to kill her. Maybe she just, like, imagined all of it because she was, like, she really felt like she had to overcome something. Wow. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Oh, wow. I think I do that all the time. Like, I always think people are, like, mad at me, but I don't think I anyone gives a fuck about me. <laughs> yeah, true. I don't. So, like, I would be the person to be like, that shark's really got it in for me. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I actually bought, like, um, like a one-piece, like, like kind of like a wetsuit-y thing that looks exactly like the Blake Lively one in this movie after I watched the movie because she looks so fucking hot the whole time. Yeah, true. And I need something to, like, do like a tourniquet or whatever if I get eaten. Yeah. 
so I'm prepared now. But um, did you like The Shallows? You know, I, it was shot here in Australia. Yeah, I saw that. It's shot in Queensland and New South Wales. Um, it's a really beautiful movie to look at, actually. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I thought it was a bit dumb, um, and kind of. It's like, a bit silly. Yeah. Like it's a bit over the top. They so, really like jump the shark. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's interesting that she is a white American woman who's come to Mexico in yeah. order to like find herself in this way, and she feels this kind of ownership over and like sense of belonging at this beach because that's where her mom was, whatever, when she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So like, I think there is something there that the movie is kind of maybe commenting on, maybe inadvertently commenting on uh, about like imperialism or something. Wow. Well, don't you think (laughs) this is the place that she's chosen to like find herself Mm. and just what, like remembering that scene where she like gets dropped off and And she's she's struggling to speak Spanish. It's so embarrassing, so cringeworthy, but she just feels this confidence and like, entitlement to like be there that I I would never feel that way in a place mm. where I didn't really speak the language and I hadn't been there before or whatever. Like I would feel quite, you know, shy and like embarrassed and she's there alone. She's interacting with like locals. There's just something about her ease, like moving through this foreign space that, you know, it's like Mexico and America, like there's a big history there. Mm. And then being brutally confronted with like that she's not welcome. Right. She's literally out of her depth. Yeah. Wow. Because the shark's that. local. That's his beach. <laughs> Does he speak Spanish? Probably. That's why they could so never cute. get along. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He calls her Gringa Flaca. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like, I, I think it's I, it's totally a dumb movie, but it's fun. Yeah. And it's an action movie and she, like... She's the fucking star of it, and she does a pretty good job. I know the bit where she has to like suture her own leg yeah. up with the, her jewelry. Oh, oh my god, it's love so that dope! Shit. Yeah, I love that. Self surgery in a horror movie is so good. Yes, especially using something like an earring or whatever, because yeah. you're really taking like a masculine kind of role of like just going Rambo, mm. but then to add like a fucking earring to it. Yeah, love that. <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning, I was like, why is she wearing those ugly earrings? And then later, I was like, Because oh. you just never know when you're going to have to stitch something up. True. <laughs> what would you do? What would you use? Um, Yeah, I got nothing on my yeah, person no, that I could stitch myself die. up with. Yeah, I probably would die. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's kind of similar to Jaws. Yeah. In that the shark is, like, vengeful and, like, really a killer shark and not realistic. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a movie that has a realistic shark because it's shark exploitation, right? Like, yeah, sharks are scary. There's there's so many movies by the Asylum or by Roger Corman, like fucking Sharknado, and, yeah, 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 and that that one that's set in a supermarket, the Australian one, Bait. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sharks are just like in these movies, it seems like sharks are an embodiment of evil. Yes, they're not killing to feed; Which they're is killing because they like killing. Like, the strange thing is that actually cockroaches are an embodiment of evil in real life. Yeah, not we all know that. So there needs to be more cockroach horror movies. But I think um, you wanted to talk about open water. And I feel like the sharks in that movie are actually really realistic. And they exactly. are real sharks. Yeah, I'm so impressed that this movie was made on a budget, I think, of less than $200,000. Yeah, I think it was like $120,000. Yeah. And they used real sharks. and yeah. They the used ma- like 45 sharks. Like, what the That's fuck? That's crazy. Yeah. And this movie is genuinely really impressive, except like there's like 
some bits where it's like establishing shots with yeah. really bad music and it looks like it's from Kirby Enthusiasm. Star- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this movie, like the the climax of this movie where if you don't know about this movie, it's based on the true story of the Lonergans who went missing off the coast of Queensland. Yet another local angle. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of local stuff going on in this episode. Yeah, we got a lot of sharks. <laughs> we got a lot of crocodiles. Um, so the Lonergans went missing and then they were never found. Um, but this movie attempts to sort of dramatize what might have happened to them. And it's genuinely like the movie starts off with so much levity because, you know, they're um they're accredited divers, they're familiar with the ocean. Mm. But as soon as that lifeline of the boat leaves them behind, it just the anxiety builds up and not knowing what's beneath them and mm. not knowing what's around them and oh my god yeah it's so, really like upsetting. they get they go on a scuba diving trip and then the boat leaves and like miscounts so that's why they get left behind which is what happened to those real people i think it's happened a few times yeah. like maybe don't get on those boats yeah i don't know it seems pretty fucked up <laughs> like the the baddie of the movie is like the boat people it's not the sharks. But even then, it's presented as a pretty innocent era. Yeah. Like. But it's so, like it's so impressive that they had these real sharks and, like, the people who made the movies were, like, or the that made that movie were, like, scuba divers. Mm. So, obviously, they were, like, pretty intimate with it and I think they really, like, cared about shark representation, which is <laughs> nice for this episode. Yeah. Because um, I was reading about Jaws and it said that originally they wanted to train a great white shark to be in the movie and then they realised they couldn't do it. So they built a fucking robot. Like, are His you name fucking Bruce. dumb? <laughs> <laughs> um, Steven Spielberg, are you dumb? That's the hubris of Spielberg, I reckon. How the fuck do you think you're going to train a shark for five seconds? Like, how did you even entertain that idea enough that it made it to Wikipedia? <laughs> So stupid. Yeah, stupid. Anyway, um, but <laughs> when I was reading about open water, um, I saw that one of the filmmakers said that the movie is about human fragility, yeah. which I think is kind of a theme of a lot of this, these movies. And she said, um, we think we own this world and that we can do whatever we want, that the earth is at our disposal. That's not the case. We forget how insignificant we are in the force of nature. So I guess it's like, grappling with that feeling like is that a scary thing to face or is it is it like is it kind of a freeing thing to face i think it's scary and i think that goes back to why i didn't like the shallows as much is because it's like in open water the sharks don't give a shit who you are they're just like they think you're a wounded fish they're gonna eat you whereas it's like in the shallows and in jaws especially in the jaws sequels it's like the Jaws family has it out for the Brody family. It's a tale as old as time. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> sharks don't give a fuck. But maybe they do. Well, like, I don't know. I haven't interviewed a shark. Like, I get what you're saying that, like, it's kind of unfair to paint sharks in this way. Yeah. But at the same time, like. You're making a movie. But also it's kind of, I, I find it kind of nice to give agency to these animals that normally we would assume are so dumb. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just kind of cute. It's like chicken run. Oh my God. Yeah, where's Ardman Animation with their shark horror movie? I'd love that. I don't know. I and like it. And the shark's it because... got those weird teeth that they all have in Ardman Animation. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like we don't know that much about, like, especially marine animals. Like, yeah. That's the whole thing about the ocean is there's so much at the bottom of the yeah, ocean that we will never know. That's what's so know. fucking scary about it. Yeah. And I think to just presume that, like, oh, sharks only kill for food is, like, uh, that's also kind of arrogant of us. Like, really? we don't know the society of, like, 
animals because like speaking of chickens like chickens have like really complex societies so as if sharks don't have some shit going on down there so you think sharks kill for fun i just i'm just saying that like i kind of like that there are movies that kind of paint them as these like thinking feeling beings i think that's a nice change i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing i think that's already happened like i think jaws just did it on its own Mm-hmm. Um, because I think before then people didn't really, especially like in the early like 1900s, people didn't really think that sharks were like dangerous to humans. Really? Yeah. Um, and then the, like Jaws really changed that perception. I think the damage has been done from that. I don't think these new shark movies are making people scared of sharks. Like, no, that's just now like this. No one's ever going to repeat the hysteria that Jaws caused. No. And I think it's kind of nice to start empathizing with these sharks and like humanizing them in a way mm-hmm. i think if anything because i i leave these movies feeling kind of sorry for the sharks and like i, I kind of get them like especially at the end of the shallows i was like that poor shark honestly like Turned because we spent that whole cheese. time with him mm. yeah <laughs> what do you think his name was that shark um maybe like douglas yeah he definitely looks like a douglas <laughs> But do you think that, like, so we've obviously coupled shark movies and crocodile movies. Do you think that they kind of operate on the same fears and themes? Well, definitely in a way, but we kind of combined them when we discussed doing the episode. We totally just combined them on a whim, didn't we? Yeah, because they felt like they went together. Yeah, but watching these movies, I was like... Crocodile movies are different. Yeah, they are different. Like, I want to talk about Dark Age. This is uh, an Australian movie from 1987 with John Jarrett of Wolf Creek fame in it. And it's really clear that this movie started its life as a Jaws ripoff. There's one sequence in here that is a shot-for-shot recreation of the famous scene from Jaws with the Zolly shot. But this movie has actually got a lot more going on underneath it, I think, and... So in this movie, John Jarrett plays, I think his name is Steve Harrison. He's a conservationist working in Queensland to protect the local crocodile population. But there is a giant crocodile that's been killing people. But the thing is, this crocodile only kills when it's provoked. And the local indigenous community view this crocodile as something sacred. So there's this uh, conflict between the local authorities who want to kill the crocodile because it's unsafe and the indigenous people who want to protect the the crocodile because it's sacred. And then Steve, who wants to protect the crocodile because it's his job to protect the crocodile, that in fact might be more than 100 years old because it's so big. But anyway, Mm. it's like the sharks were never given that much significance. Sharks are just there and they kill you, whereas this crocodile, it's like he is a character. Yes, crocodiles, they're always more characters and, like, they're just kind of more fun to watch. Yeah, totally. And... This one I'd love to talk to an Indigenous person to actually discuss the representation of the Indigenous community in this movie because I don't feel equipped to comment on that. But um, it felt like real, sensitive, honest representation to me. What did you think? I felt really uncomfortable watching it. Really? Those Indigenous scenes. It's a big part of the movie and it yeah. felt to me like a lot of the like noble, savage trope. Totally. It is very exploitative. But I don't know. I feel like... Burnham Burnham is the the main Indigenous character in this. I've forgotten the name of the character, Unda, Unda Banda or something. I don't remember. Yeah. But anyway, Burnham Burnham was a big um, Indigenous activist. He only appeared in three movies. So I would think he would have been quite, uh, and maybe he just did it for the money. I don't know. But you would think that he would have been very uh, 
thorough in checking that he was in support of the movies he appeared in. I don't know. I'm speculating, but yeah, you. you and David Gulpilil's in this I too. I know his beautiful curly hair. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's such a huge part of the movie yeah. for a movie made by white people that, like, it just it felt odd to me. It felt like the kind of representation of like indigenous ideals that is kind of universal and not specific at all and that could be made by anybody without any research about any Indigenous community in the world. Basically, it's just like they just kind of talk in this way that already feels kind of like Yeah, I was wondering, was the character written to speak like that or...? Yeah, and then like John Jarrett's character speaks like that to them, which was weird. Uh, And basically the whole thing is just like, oh, this is like, yeah, a sacred animal we have to just like you know, listen to the earth and we have to, like, conserve and whatever. And it just felt really kind of, like... Reductive. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking about that, too. It's set in Queensland, but I think David Gulpilil and Burnham Burnham are both from the Sydney area. I might be wrong. I know Burnham Burnham was from Sydney. So it's like... I thought... Am I wrong? I don't think David Gulpilil's from here. Okay, right. Well, yeah, Burnham Burnham definitely is. But so that's another thing about representing Indigenous people in movies. It's so often represented yeah. as this I mean, especially whole. back then. Like, yeah, it's, I would I think, not expect them to have, like, done it sensitively. With a consultant and things like that. Yeah, but I don't think I've seen a movie this old with this much representation of a community like that. So in that really? way, it was like... To me, it felt like when we talk about um, all those, like... Um, Stephen King things and, like, all those horror movies that are, like, an Indian burial ground or, like, a wise elder said this mystical (laughs) thing. And it's just, like, what a fucking, like, it's just, like, I don't know. The difference with Stephen King is he doesn't put those characters in the story, Mm. whereas this had actual Indigenous characters. I I agree with you that Mm. they're definitely problematic parts of this movie, but I don't know. But it was also produced by Tony Ganane, my favourite I know you love him. (laughs) Did you actually and, like this movie generally? Um, not particularly. Oh, okay. I found it kind of boring. I found right. it like an episode of um, like the Crocodile Hunter or whatever the fuck that show was. <laughs> you know, because it's just relocating a big crocodile. And I was like, I don't care about this. Yeah, true. This one was not like the that crocodile. Horror. The crocodile was so old that it was just like, who cares? It was pretty good at killing people, especially like <laughs> awful. You know what I loved about this crocodile? If you're like a yobbo who drinks at the yobbo. pub and then bashes old men up, yeah. you're gonna get fucking chomped. Yeah, I but mean, he also I wish chomped he was that real. little boy. So. Yeah, but like even the the like, I guess like the antagonistic character of like that fucking guy from Home and Away or whatever the fuck, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, even his character just felt so. Like, maybe it's because it's an old movie. Maybe there weren't as many back then. But it just was like, okay, like, these characters are just like, I know this whole story. Like, I've seen it. Yeah, because it, it's Jaws. It's just like. But it, oh. did, it did add something on top of the Jaws formula. Yeah. Like that. To me, what it added was just the broader, like, exploitation themes mm-hmm. of white of the white man feeling uncomfortable living on stolen land, which is what pretty much all exploitation boils down to. Right. And I think that was just like, I think a lot of crocodile movies and, yeah, I think a lot of crocodile movies, like the Australian ones, are about that, really. Just, like, yeah. white guilt and, like, uneasiness yeah, this living in, like, unceded land. Yeah. yeah. Because it seemed like the crocodile was taking revenge against the white men. Yeah. 
And it's like so making this, like writing this story even, even making this movie is some act of like trying to like pay penance or whatever. Mm. And it's like, oh. <laughs> at least make it good because like it doesn't actually fix anything. Yeah, no, true. It's performative. It felt, yeah, I don't know. But um, but I, f- I do find that interesting that we do make so many movies about that feeling. Mm. Women aren't really included in these stories. Like this is about white men. But yeah. Of that feeling of like the white man being like the conqueror and being the person who's meant to feel comfortable in the outdoors, but feeling this like really deep seated discomfort with the land that he's on because it's not his. Yeah, like that reminds me of um, Rogue. Mm. Is it is it Rogue that's the tourist boat that gets stranded in the swamp and there's a big crocodile and there's a I dog? Think that, a I feel like dog. that's every crocodile movie. Yeah, like, it might be Blackwater Black Water? as well. Yeah. yeah, that's good too. I really like that movie actually. <laughs> But, yeah, they all kind of play into that. And, like, mm. a lot of them do have tourists and stuff in them too just to add that extra, like, element of, yeah. like, the outsider and even the person who's meant to be comfortable, like, the white Australian guy who lives there and, like, gives the tours. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know, like, it feels like it calls that person out a little. Yeah. But then it's, like, a redemptive story for them. Like, John Jarrett mm. becomes the hero of the story because he's, like, Especially the because the, the main Indigenous character is killed at the end. I did not like that mm. as part of the story. I thought yeah, because was... it's not about him. It's just about, like, John Jarrett's journey yeah. of, like, becoming more comfortable in this, like, land. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. But mostly I found it boring. <laughs> um, I actually quite liked it, to be honest. It's really different from my pick for the Crocodile movie that we were going to talk about. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> I honestly should have picked fucking... Lake Placid, because that's such a fun movie. Okay. <laughs> but instead, I picked Eaten Alive. I know why you picked this one, because it's Toby Hooper. It's fucking Toby Hooper's, like... It's a follow-up the, to Texas Chainsaw yes, Massacre. Yes, the next movie that he made after Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the same people. Like, the same person did the score, the same person wrote it with him. Like The score in this movie is crazy, too. Yeah. Love it. It's the same style, yeah. where it's really, like, there's all this, like, discordant stuff, and it just kind of, like, makes you feel unsettled and, like, not good. Yeah. But it goes harder than, like, Texas Chainsaw. Like, Texas harder. Chainsaw is, like, an uncomfortable movie to watch. It's not, like, pretty. It's not, like, really palatable, but it's really well made. Yeah. This movie is, like... Way grungier, way grittier. Yeah, somehow it feels both lower budget and higher budget yeah. than Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and it Chains feels older. Yeah. It's weird. This movie is really so old. bizarre. It's like it's made in the style of the person who lives in the town where it's set. Yeah. Like, he just went too far into it. But um, Did we say honest, what the movie's called, by the way? Yeah, it's Eaten Alive. Eaten Alive, okay. From 1977. Uh, it's got Robert Englund in it. We love him. Mm. He was, like, young and hot back then. Young, definitely. Oh. <laughs> And it's got Kyle Richards from um, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and uh, Marilyn Burns again. Like, even she's in this as well as Texas Chainsaw. And, so like, she playing was very the, similar the kind of mother role. character, right? With the weird husband. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's known under, like, a few different titles, which is always a really good sign. <laughs> yeah. Like, con- Trap, Contamination Point Seven, Horror Hotel, Starlight Slaughter. Um, yeah. Some good titles. Eaten Alive is the best title, though. Um. I like Starlight Slaughter. It's yeah. it's weird because it's like I like it as a choice for this episode because it kind of disrupts what we're talking about because yeah. it's not really that much about the crocodile. I mean, it's about the crocodile. The crocodile but looms the crocodile over this movie. Is, he plays a really different role to any of these other crocodiles. Like yeah. It's like all these other crocodiles are being typecast and he got really lucky with this part because it's way more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's about this man, Judd, I think, who like yeah. – 
this real crazy guy. Um, Everyone in this movie is kind of crazy. Everything about it is just off. Like, yeah. it's unsettling because everything is just like, where the fuck are we? It feels kind of like Rob Zombie-esque. Yeah. Like, where you're in one of these backwoods towns and, yeah. like, uh, everything's just a little bit uncanny. Yeah. Um, I actually said about this movie, watching this movie feels like being trapped in purgatory. It's like everyone's mm. dead and they don't even know it yet. Yeah. They're in this weird They're twilight They're behaving zone. weird, but, yeah. like, no one's really saying it. Yeah. It's so fucking odd to watch. And when I first started watching it, I was like, wow, I didn't know it was going to be so rapey. Like, yeah. I was just looking forward to, like, a crocodile movie. And I was like, oh, this is real fucking heavy. Um, like, he really, it's like, Toby Hooper's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. But um, it's about Judd, who owns this, like, motel or whatever in the middle of nowhere. And... He has, like, a crocodile that lives outside the motel. (laughs) Which apparently he got from Africa. And he uses it to, like, I think it's, like, it's based on this story, like, a real story of a man that, like, there was, he would kill people at his hotel or whatever. And feed them to a crocodile. And then people said that he fed them to his crocodile. Oh, right. Who knows? Um, But, yeah, he, like, feeds people to this fucking crocodile. He uses the crocodile as, like, to, like, you know. Dispose of the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, like, just eat people and shit. And eat dogs. Um, I know. Another movie with a dog in it. Yeah. You're right. They really do have, like, this is the good animal. This is the bad animal. Except in this movie, the dog is actually, I think, the first, the second character to die. Yeah. Whereas in the others. And the crocodile's not really bad in this movie. No. I think Judd is the bad one. Yeah, for sure. It's. I think the character of Judd is so interesting because he's, like, he's scared of sex. He kills the woman in the beginning because she's a a hooker, a sex worker. Yeah. Um, He's, like... He yeah, kills he people a with a weird... scythe. Yeah. Which is very strange. It's almost got it's like he is like this avenger of God or something. Yeah. Because he's so puritanical and the, it's like he owes a debt to the crocodile yeah. or something. It's very he's strange. He's such a strange guy and it really fits into like the Toby Hooper world. Mm. Like that family in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, how everyone's just a bit fucked. Like <laughs> turns out that's what Toby Hooper's all about. Yeah. Like, that's how he writes characters. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with him. I love him. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, in this movie, like, really, he is the villain. Like, man is villain. Yeah. And, like, I feel like, tell me if I'm wrong, a man having a relationship with an exotic animal, that's the hallmark of a psychopath. That's all you need to know. Yeah. If you own an exotic animal as a pet or you think you own one and you're just really close to it. It actually owns you. You're fucked. 100%. I wouldn't trust anybody like that. Yeah, imagine you go into someone's house and there's like a monitor lizard there. Mm-mm. No, Run. you get out yeah. straight away. And I think that's what really this all boils down to, this movie. But um, it's interesting because like, spoilies, but like at the <laughs> end, <laughs> the the natural order is kind of restored. Um, And I feel like this movie... Like Judd feels almost godlike in the way that humans do. Like we feel like we have this kind of like yeah. He's like he's doling out punishment. Yeah. He sees himself as a punisher totally, yeah. and he thinks that he has this kind of relationship with like you know the crocodile outside, mm. and it feels like it's reinforcing like the at the end like the whole movie is reinforcing the indifference of the natural world. Yeah, like there's a real nihilistic streak to this movie. Mm. And that's what I kind of love about a lot of these movies. Like you can kind of read them that way, that it's yeah. really humans being like slapped in the face by 
how little the natural world cares about them yeah. and how like how little power they actually have. Mm. And I felt like that was so obvious in this movie. Like it's such an interesting way to make a crocodile movie. When you first watch it, I feel like it it's it's really brutal and it's really hard to watch and it can seem it can be really, like super confronting, but then yeah. if you dig a little deeper like I feel like it's a really sophisticated movie. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more going under uh, going on under the surface. Yeah, than, like and the fact that it can make you feel so disgusting just watching it, like that's kind of a feat in itself. Yeah. I have this quote here from like um, Ozus World Movie Reviews. Dennis Schwartz uh, gave the film only a C plus. Okay. And said, this is so much the opposite of a Hollywood film as Hooper could care less that he has shot such a disturbing film that makes for an uncomfortable watch. Um. That Hooper takes us down a different road than the usual trashy, macabre and grisly horror flick doesn't make it a special film worth seeking out. Just something that those with a morbid curiosity for the unusual in sleaze might not be able to pass on. Beautiful. That's me. (laughs) That must be exactly who I am. Somebody with a morbid curiosity for the unusual in sleaze because I couldn't pass on this. Like at first I was like, I hate you. And then I was like, you know what? I love you. I want to come to this hotel. (laughs) Like... It's a really interesting movie. Yeah. I want to see this one again, to be honest. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. I wonder, I was thinking, do people ascribe significance to crocodiles? Because it really seems like the crocodiles are given more to do in these movies. Yeah. Because they are considered these ancient like, they're living dinosaurs. Yeah. And you know what else? They're, like, land animals. Yeah. They can go wherever the fuck they want. Like, I think we just relate to them more simply because, like, they walk on land. Do you know what I mean? Like Yeah, they sharks, can come get you. I feel like we can't even... It's like how people will be like, oh, I'm vegetarian, but I eat fish. Because, like, it's too, it's too far removed from you. You don't give a fuck about it. It's yeah. kind of the same with sharks. Like, they're so different from us. Mm. We don't feel any kind of attachment to them. Yeah. Whereas a crocodile... It's it's closer to us. He's like we can understand it a bit more. Mm. You can't just like write it off. Yeah, they always have these like lairs and stuff, like sick mm. little houses and like hideaways. <laughs> yeah, when was the last time a shark had a house? Never. They never have a house because we think that crocodiles are more sophisticated because they're more like us. Yeah, humans true. are so fucking basic and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I really want to see? Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus. Yeah. Didn't get around to it. I've been pretty busy. <laughs> but um Is that an asylum movie? I think that's an asylum movie. Yeah. Um, if you guys remember our episode when we talked about the asylum. That was the clowns episode. Oh, okay, yeah. Go listen to the clowns episode and you'll learn all about them. But uh yeah, if anyone's seen Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus, I just kinda wanna know like Did you love what it? What goes on there? Yeah. Crocosaurus, <laughs> like, it sounds like a delicious cereal, don't you reckon? No, I think it sounds like a giant crocodile. Oh. My God, what the fuck? Hey, (laughs) have you seen The Pool? No, what's The Pool? This is a Thai horror movie. It's on Shudder. I don't think it's a Shudder original, but um, it's there's a guy stuck in the bottom of a really deep pool and there's a crocodile there. How's he stuck? What's he got? Like, is he breathing somehow? No, no, no. The pool's empty. Oh. Because he was like lounging around. Why is it so deep? It was really deep because they were doing a photo shoot in there. Like, it's pretty stupid. It doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> Sounds uh, really good. Uh, I would be scared of that because it's so simple. But the thing <laughs> with this movie is, like, it's <laughs> it's tongue-in-cheek, but um, it has this weird anti-abortion plot line. Oh, great. 
How the fuck did they put an anti-abortion plotline in a movie with a man stuck at the bottom of a pool? Well, his girlfriend is there with him too because she hits her head when she's diving into the pool. Anyway. Why is she diving if it's empty? It wasn't quite empty when she dived in. There's so much going on in this movie. So confused. I fucking, I honestly really hate this movie. But um, Trace Thurman in Bloody Disgusting said, uh, Lumpur Leong, that's the director, their film is a pro-life movie disguised as an aquatic horror movie. Wow. Koi is pregnant, but Day wants her to have an abortion. It's easy to see what's going on here. Day is being punished over and over again for wanting Koi to have an abortion. Since the operation is only legal in Thailand if there is health issues or if the fetus is a product of rape or so on and so forth. So... It's once again the crocodile being that ancient, like it, it kind of it's almost like the croc- the crocodile crocodile <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> represents justice and rightness and yes yeah yeah we kind of um we kind of feel more affinity for crocodiles and we kind of I feel like we do kind of trust them in some way mm. like they never seem that evil I think that baby it's like crocodiles maybe are cute. we don't understand yeah what they're doing but mm. they've got a reason yeah they're getting a different and treatment yeah, to the baby sharks. crocodiles are super cute yeah. that's correct sure. <laughs> yeah yeah there is something i think you're right maybe it is something about like this ancient wisdom that like they've mm. lived so much longer than us which is like specifically what they say in dark age like the reason that the crocodile is sacred is because he's so old and he's so smart because he's like lived longer yeah which is weird because i know a lot of old people and they're not that smart no but do you know a lot of old crocodiles no well there you go wasn't there a really old crocodile called like eric the crocodile is oh. he still alive? I know there's really old tortoises. That's kind of similar. Where's the tortoise horror movies? Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Because, like, a snapping turtle or some shit. You know what's the most horrifying thing? And I always happen to see it. Yeah. Tortoises what? having sex. Oh, and the noise they make when it's they come. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> and why there's so many videos of it that I'm always, like, I'm not looking for it. And I always happen to see them. Our producer Jesse's showing me uh, Eric the Crocodile. How long did he live? Oh, he died in 2007 from a, a bug killed him. What? <laughs> <laughs> he died from a systemic infection. Um, how long did he live? He was 60 years old. He weighed 700 kilograms. Oh, my God. Almost as much as me. Fucking hell. And he was in Gosford. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But what happened to him? He bit off the heads of two female crocodiles. Oh, we don't like him. Yeah. He's cancelled. <laughs> but if the roles were reversed, if the female crocodile bit off the heads of the two male crocodiles, we stand. But it does say that he mellowed with age. Okay. And he had a fan club of 10,000 members. Wow. But, Good one, um, Eric. Yeah, I don't really understand what happened to him, but he died in a sad way. Poor Eric. So the, we'll dedicate this episode to Eric the crocodile yeah. and also to the, the female crocodiles that, that he, he murdered, the nameless ones. Yeah. I would Always like the to think they way. were called Lucinda and Bettina. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. They probably were. <laughs> anyway. 700 kilos. Oh, yeah. What were we talking about? We were talking about, well, we just talked about the pool, uh, the pool, mm-hmm. which is uh, not a very good movie. But anyway, there's so many, so many movies. There's no way we could talk about all of the ones we've no, seen. No, there like, are a lot of really good ones. 47 Metres Down and 47 Metres Down on Cage, which we have talked about and before. And if you know me, if you've even met me for like five minutes, you know how passionate I am about those movies. Mm-hmm. I've, I have, yeah. We've, we've, spoke, we've touched on them. Yeah. I fucking love them. I know you do. Hey, uh, I don't know if we ever got a chance to talk about what you thought of Crawl. I think we did. I hated it. Oh. 
I'm pretty sure we talked about it. Oh, okay. But I well. thought it was like dumb and stupid and I didn't understand why everyone liked it. Because that <laughs> we talked about Jaws being like, you know, the, the one shark movie that is treated like it's elevated. Yeah. I don't know if there's a crocodile movie quite like that. Like there are some that kind of feel like I think Blackwater is a really good movie. Yeah. Um, and, and I've heard people, good things about The Reef, which was made by the same filmmaker, which is about sharks. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard people talk about Crawl in that kind of way. Like, oh, we finally get like an elevated crocodile movie. No. Nah. Crawl for me was not Shit. about the crocodiles. Crawl, I think, worked as a movie because it, because the director, Alexandra Aja, is really good at ramping up tension. And that's what that movie, that's why that movie worked for me. But the fact that it was crocodiles, the fact that you've got the cute little dog who survives to the mm. end, of, end of the movie, I was like, that part of the movie I didn't really care I'm about. I'm so sick of this fucking good animal, bad animal dichotomy. Like, it's <laughs> Especially so unfair. Hey, everyone, Crystal doesn't like dogs. Look, if, <laughs> if, I had to, if I had two sides of this fucking coin and one is good animal, one is bad animal, You're I'm not putting the dog on the good animal side. It is so cute. I just think it's really unfair. Yeah, no, true. That's the whole point of this episode is that sharks and crocodiles, particularly sharks, are unfairly maligned. And we... We value certain animals over other animals. Why do you think there are shark culls, which mm. always cause a big controversy? Anyway, I'm a meat eater, so I don't have a fucking horse in this race. I'm just uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> um, also, this is not re- like relevant to what we were just saying, oh. but I just wanted to let everybody know, um, in the interest of like being a good, good podcaster, good member of the community, as we touched on in the intro, that um, if you're really a big fan of Jaws, there's a podcast called Inside Jaws and like they episode by episode they go through the whole, every fucking moment up to like making this movie and what it meant for like Steven Spielberg. Like it was a big risk at the time and just like it's really, really in-depth. So if you love wow. Jaws, just probably listen to that. Yeah. You'll fucking go crazy for it. I should listen to that because I think Jaws is Steven Spielberg's best movie as we were talking about before we started recording. Um do you still think that after we had a look at some of his other movies? you think it's better than Jurassic Park? Yeah. It's not better than Jurassic Park. You're wrong. Yeah, but you think there are very few movies that are better than Jurassic There's Park. There's no movies that are better than Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is fucking dope. All right. Okay. It's way Jurassic better than Park Jaws. Is the best are you movie. crazy? All right. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait. What was the other movie that I liked that I said was better than Jaws? Uh, Jewel. Oh, yeah. Jewel's way better. Yeah. And that was earlier. Yeah, true. I need to see Jewel. That's that's D U E L, not the singer who yeah, has. Yeah, we're just small Australian, heads. so we just pronounce things weird. Like Jewel, the pool. Yuck. I really hate the way we talk. By the way. Yeah, same. We should do put on anyone, accents. everyone, anyone who's like from overseas and is listening to us. Do we sound like fucking dickheads? Like, just write in and tell us. Yeah, because I'm um, so tweet self-conscious. Us should we start doing fake accents or something? Yeah, that's what I just said. Maybe we should put our voices through one of those things. Like, if you if you want to be anonymous and you want to be on a current affair. <laughs> <laughs> And like it's just like you know all a distorted. Deep thing, yeah. Maybe I'll get one of those, mm. and then I can do prank calls. Yeah, true. Is your refrigerator running? But I don't know how to put my phone on, like, like no, no user ID or whatever. So like, oh, yeah, I probably true. can't do that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just let me know if my voice is like super annoying or whatever. Yeah. Well, but I'll not say, in a sexist way. Don't be like it's too high. Like fuck you. Yeah. True. Um. I know my voice is sexy, so you don't need to tell me anything. Okay. Can't tell me nothing. <laughs> All right, is that the end of the episode? <gasps> Wait. What? We got a, that thing that Jesse does. <laughs> huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah well, true. we'll come back to do the thing. Yeah, well, did I did, did we discuss what we're going to call it? 
Oh, you said so- you you told me, but offline, <laughs> uh, off the record. Yeah. So I think the title we've agreed upon for this next segment that we're going to do is called Two Spooks and a Lie." Do you like it? Because we're spooky bitch gang, and he's lying, and it sounds kind of like truths. Yeah, exactly. Just in case you guys didn't get it. <laughs> All so right. So we're going to come back with that. Oh, my God. I can't wait. You know what? Next time we have to do Anaconda movies. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, right. I just really want to talk about Anaconda. I just want to talk about J-Lo. Same. Mm-hmm. We John should Boy. do only J-Lo movies one episode. Oh, my on her God. Birthday Hustlers. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, I guess Geely. it's kind of scary. <laughs> um, all right, idiots. We'll see you, like, in a bit. All right. Bye. I love you. All right, welcome to everyone's favorite segment, which Scott so kindly came up with a great name for, and then we ruined it by (laughs) over-explaining. Today's first movie, Victoria is 43 and has never left the family home. When her abusive father passes away, she leaves, hoping to find love, but instead finds a whole new world of misery. Movie number two. A TV talk show hostess and her boyfriend investigate a shady magician who has the ability to hypnotise and control the thoughts of people in order to stage gory onstage illusions using his powers of mind-bending. Mm-hmm. And lastly... Two men skilled in the arts of kung fu are betrayed by their master and crippled for life. One left with no arms and the other left with no legs. Despite their obvious disadvantages, they learn to combine their martial arts skills and seek revenge against the evil master. Okay, so I, right off the bat, I'm just going to say like my guess. I reckon the magician one is Jesse's one that he made up. Oh. But I hope it's not because it sounds really good and I really want to watch it. Like what a cool concept. Well, I have good news for you, which is that I think it's number three. Three, the martial arts one, because the reason I say that is the first two, the plot synopses that Jesse gave us were quite vague, but then number three, the martial arts guys, it's very detailed. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's number one because like I still don't even understand what that movie's about or why it's a horror movie. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that movie, but it wasn't a horror movie. It was like something that had like an understated Julianne Moore performance in it. Uh-huh. And number three sounds like um that movie with that Netflix like lesbian movie where they like one lost one arm, the other one lost the other arm, and then they like played the cello together or some shit. Remember what? that? No. The perfection. Is that what that movie's about? Yeah, it's really fucking dumb. Okay, when you explained that movie to me in the the queer horror episode, you didn't say anything well, about. Well, maybe I didn't want to spoil it. But like oh. they like play it together. Like one does like I don't know. The, I don't know music. One does the terms. fingering and one does the bow. Yeah, exactly. And then it's the really bit romantic. Of, never mind. I was about to say something gross <laughs> about fingering. <laughs> um. But yeah, and I know that like if it's a kung fu movie, that does sound like Jesse. It also sounds like a pretty dope movie. So it sounds a little bit like it could be ableist, but we'd have to see it first. Oh yeah, know. true. The obvious disadvantages. True. At least he didn't use the word handicap. That's true. Um, so in that case, the magician movie is real and I have to find it because, like, what a fucking concept that, like, a magician is, like, doing crazy shit because he can, like, I can't even remember, but, like, I don't know. What does he do? He, like, convinces you. 
I forgot already, but it he sounded He uses good. mind control powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uses mind control and then he, like, does, like, horrible stuff on stage. Yeah, that sounds really dumb. That sounds hectic. We need to, when we do the torture porn episode, if this movie's real, we need to find it. It sounds fun. And you know how I feel about magicians. Well, okay, which we have to agree. It's This is like 12 Angry Men. We have to have you, No, you've convinced me. I agree. I think oh, it's the Kung Fu three? movie is the fake one. Okay. Well, let's do it, Jesse. All right, so it was really hard not to smile the whole time you were deliberating because uh, number one is my movie. What? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> wow, you really bamboozled us. So, Jesse, when you made up that very vague little synopsis that you gave us, what were you thinking? Like it was a little bit Bad Boy Bubby, but in my envisaged horror movie, she's like been reading about love stories and she's like, I'm going to go out and find my my love. And then actually like really horrible stuff happens to her, which I didn't want to go into. Oh, like that Brendan Fraser movie where he comes out of the bunker. Like that, but more horrible. Right. Yeah. Poor lady. Blast from the past. Yeah. Um. You know what? We should have guessed it because you know how you said it was like the real one because it was so vague. Mm. I think that's because Jesse was feeling really tired today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's had a big day. He's a busy man. Don't try and bring me down because I did great. His producing is just a side hustle. He does other things too. So like he doesn't have time to think of a whole story. But he clearly did think of a whole story. He just didn't give it to us. Why did you censor yourself? Um, because I thought it would sound more convincing. Well, I didn't go into too much detail. Did. Okay, so <laughs> tell us about the two real movies. Oh, okay. So um, the magician one is called The Wizard of Gore, and it's from 1970. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I also really want to watch it. Okay, we've got to find it. And the other one is called The Crippled Masters from 17, oh. 1979. <laughs> 1799. I fucking called it. <laughs> I knew it was going to be ableist as fuck. <laughs> okay, so we're not going to watch The Crippled We're going to watch it to find out. Oh my God. But we're watching fucking Wizard of Gore or whatever because yeah. I think that's going to be my favourite movie. Would you call it a torture porn movie? It sounds like it may be. But you, watch you can't watch A Whole New World from 2020 because that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> a Whole New World. You're going to get hit with a lawsuit from Disney. <laughs> Disney don't come for me. <laughs> Jesse, has this segment made you like discover your screenwriting aspirations that you mm. didn't know you had? Uh, no, it's just reminding me of when I used to write really bad short stories in school. Oh. Can we read some of them? Yeah, off air. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, maybe one day we'll do a segment where Jesse reads this. Actually, you can find them on my Tumblr. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. We have to figure out what his Tumblr URL cut is. Cut this out. <laughs> You're the one that makes the cut. Note to future Jesse. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, well, that was another failure for us. Yeah. We really fucking suck at this. So He's that's always one, two steps ahead. One, us, two, Jesse. We'll be back next week and we'll, we'll yeah. fucking Yeah, we'll, we'll get him next week. All right. Um, well, this has been a really great episode. Yeah, it was dope. Um, just want to say thank you to all of our fans. Yeah. Our very intense fan base that we have. Yeah. Um, and we want to hear from you if you want to suggest a theme or something last Episode was a fan suggestion, so we're more than happy to do it. Like, mm-hmm. tweet us, go to Instagram and message us, whatever you want to do. Yeah, I think we, we said last time, write on bananas. That's we, a really someone good idea. was mad that she couldn't um, roast me on Twitter, so now we have a Twitter, so you can roast me all you want. Yeah, and not I me can take because it. I'm sensitive. Yeah, don't roast Scott. 
everything he says is true and correct. Yeah. But I'm a dumb bitch. Because I'm a white male. <laughs> age 25 to 35. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's basically the episode. And can you just please write a review of this? Yeah. A good one. Yeah, give us reviews and stuff because we, we love them. I think it's like, I don't know. I think it's good for some reason. I'm not really sure why. But yeah. anyway, that's it. Yeah. All right. Sharks and crocs. Sharksploitation and crocsploitation. Yeah, we didn't go into those theme, those, uh, those words very much. This, yeah. But yeah, you know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. All right. We love you. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah. I like you very deeply. <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> All right, bye. 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 Shut the fuck up, Jesse. <laughs> Whose podcast is this? <laughs>